Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I am your host today, Erica, and joining me in the virtual studio is Doug, Elliot, Tiff, and behind the scenes is Damien. Hello. Welcome all. So now that COVID's over, <laughs> we're on to something new. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, more health information for you out here uh, in this crazy world that we live in. And today we're going to talk about the uh, world food crisis and little implications or big implications of that. So on March 5th, uh, a report came out from the Food and Agriculture Organization, and it talks about world food prices hit record in February. And basically, uh, the prices of food are soaring. Uh, without going into the article, uh, y'all can read it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for those store. who are uh, awake and paying attention, or who budget to do your grocery shopping, you've probably seen a significant price increase in products, um, particularly uh, vegetable oils, not that we eat a lot of those, but meat and dairy. And um, it's looking like, according to this article, um, up 24% since January last year. So that's a huge, significant increase. And as this is happening, um, products are not available or scarcely available. And um, as we've been saying for a long time, probably good to prepare what you're gonna do because it looks like those prices are gonna continue to rise and lack of av availability. And um, so what do y'all think? You have a, you seen anything that's shocking price-wise or availability-wise in grocery shopping. I will say personally, I am not a huge grocery shopper. I don't like to do it, but I do it for the family. And uh, one thing I learned many, many years ago is when I go to the store, I buy two of everything. That's just a, so I don't have to go every week, but uh, um, it's significant. Uh, wherever you go. And then you see some places have food, no problems, others, the shelves are bare. So yeah. what's your guys' thinking in your parts of the world where you're at? Um, in my neck of the woods, I've only seen empty shelves, not very frequently. Like first, when COVID was first ramping up and there were all these lockdowns, there were these stories about it. Uh, all these farmers having to dump their milk and dump their potatoes and their uh, uh, food rotting in the fields because there was no one to work and all that crazy COVID madness. So I saw some shortages at that time, but then things kind of returned back to normal. And so far where I am, things are pretty much normal as far as the shelves being stocked but the prices have definitely gone up especially for meat if you're like a big carnivore person you notice that the meat has nearly doubled in price and strangely enough like chicken wings not that i'm a big chicken wing fan they've like almost tripled in price they're more mm. like one of the most expensive meats you can buy and chicken wings are stupid basically i think but uh <laughs> They're low meat. Yeah. It's low meat to. If you can even ratio. get them, 
Yeah. If you can even get them, because where I'm at, I haven't been able to buy chicken wings from the big Costco Sam's Club for probably two or three months. They mm -hmm. just don't have chicken wings available anymore. They have other types of like chicken, but not the wings. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder where the wings are going. No. <laughs> That's weird. Um, I haven't noticed any uh, shortages myself, but I mean, it's it seems like, I mean, all this stuff trickles down. Right. So if people are calling it an emergency now, you might actually not see that reflected on store shelves for like a couple of months. So mm. I think that um, people like, you know, this report coming out right now, I mean, you, you see it first probably in the prices before you see it in the shortages. But, you know, with everything that's going on with the Russia Ukraine thing, the absolutely retarded sanctions that are going on on Russia, which are going to end up hurting probably the West more than they're going to hurt Russia. Um, because I was looking at an article before and what did it say? Something like, um, like together Ukraine alone counts for more than 10% of the global market. That's of, uh, wheat. And if you add Russia into that, the share jumps to 30%. Um, other major grains like corn and barley that are mostly used to feed uh, livestock. Ukraine, Ukraine provides about 15% of the global supply of corn. And taken together, Ukraine and Russia account for just under 30% of the world's barley supply. Um, and sunflower oil, oddly enough, the two countries contribute 80% of the world's supply for sunflower oil. Um, and probably the biggest one is that Russia, along with Belarus, is a huge source of fertilizer providing about 15% of the world's needs. That is huge. I mean, all of those things are huge, you know? I mean, even if you don't eat wheat or corn or barley, um, that's what's often used to feed livestock. And even if you're getting organic grass-fed, all that kind of stuff, I mean, when, when you see something that's impacting the world's food supply, that's going to affect everybody, regardless, right? Because, I mean, if there's no corn-fed beef around, then everybody's going to switch to the grass-fed beef, and suddenly there's going to be a shortage of that. Right. So mm -hmm. it's it's the, the idea that you can look at what the, the food is that's in shortage and be like, oh, that's OK. I don't eat that. It's like, no, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, if you're seeing right. a major shortage in one thing, it's going to it's 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 a living system. You know, it's it's it, one major alteration affects the entire system. So, yeah, this is this is highly concerning. And it's interesting how they're kind of pitching it or the media or whoever, you know, the talking heads that it's just because of this current situation with Russia and Ukraine. But no as we've covered in the past, uh, you know, this, I think, has been the intention all along to really divert people. We see it with the vegetarian agenda, the climate change agenda to divert people away from basically food, real food, to something resembling food-like substance, which we've talked about many times in the past, but just kind of to plant it in the minds of people like, oh, well, you thought you were better than that, or you couldn't, didn't want to eat bugs or, you know, schmeat, as we called it back <laughs> in the day. Um, now you might not have a choice, right? Because, uh, Fertilizers, Doug was saying, and things like herbicides, like, uh, you know, Bayer, Monsanto, they have a force majeure on glyphosate, 
which again, people are like, well, that's great. We won't have any more uh, glyphosate, but when you're growing wheat and corn, that is an integral part of the production of that industrial food system. And you eliminate that, you eliminate a lot, you know what I mean? It's a trickle down effect. And though we may think it's good, the reality is it could lead to mass starvation and it wouldn't be for the wealthy. That's for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, it all seems like just part of this whole great reset thing, you know, mm -hmm. collapse the current mm -hmm. food system, food distribution system, and so that you can introduce the savior, which is eat the bugs, eat the poop, eat the fake meat. And yeah, it's uh, unbelievably depressing. So one one little article I wanted to share that I found that kind of uh, ties into all this is The Economist. And they wrote, uh, this was back last year in October. It's called The Future of Food, New Ways to Make Food. New ways to make food are coming, but will consumers bite? And um, we can put the link in the show notes. But basically, um, they're talking about how agriculture use has the world's habitable land and accounts for more than 30% of global emissions. Food production links the great bi biochemical cycles of carbon and nitrogen. And then they go on to say... Um, you know, basically food prices have risen considerably, which we just opened up with. And then um, fortunately, technologies are emerging that promise to produce food in new ways in large volumes with less inhumane factory farming and a lower environmental footprint. So kind of, you know, virtue signaling, like we're all going to kill the planet if we don't change our ways. And um kind of down in the bottom of the article, very end, it says new foods and processes on offer today present opportunities to create delicious and sustainable new tradition. Western consumers should put aside their reservations about eating crickets and give plant-based burgers, 3D printed steaks and vat grown artificial tuna a try. So <laughs> there's that. This article pissed me off so much. <laughs> I know. Like it was yeah. really it's it's yeah. just the they're just doing like false equivalences all over the place. Like he's talking about in Europe, um, you know, in I don't remember, 17th century Europe, uh, many people wouldn't eat uh, the new vegetables that were showing up for the new world, like the potato or uh, the tomato, because they weren't mentioned in the Bible and all this kind of stuff. And like comparing that to now where it's like, you know, he's talking about something that allegedly happened that back then where people were a little bit, you know, hesitant to try a new vegetable because they'd never seen it before and they didn't know anything about it versus a genetically modified lab grown, whatever. It's like, it's, that's not the same thing, you know? I mean, one, it was just kind of being, you know, misinformed or uninformed and not really knowing what it is versus now where it's kind of like, no, I know that that's garbage. I know that that is absolute shit. I'm not going to eat it. Like, it's not the same thing. And, you know, he's just doing this throughout the year. I'm saying he, I don't even know if it was a male or a female who wrote it. But anyway. Um, well, yeah, it certainly sounded very paternalistic. Like you stuff yeah. up people with your traditions and your <laughs> yeah, old exactly. set your ways about eating good food. How dare you? Just eat these crickets and shut up. Exactly. Be more daring. <laughs> oh, develop new traditions. You know what I yeah. mean? Like a new tradition. Like, oh. let's try the vegan tuna tonight, guys. Yeah. 
there was another thing in it where they said that there was this one line today many european countries ban the cultivation and sale of genetically modified crops even though they are widely they are widely grown and eaten elsewhere they're just, just being unreasonable europeans they're again. just being unreasonable yeah they're snobby europeans that's exactly it i mean they eat them in the us why aren't why they're you're too good for them yeah yeah i'm too good for yeah. them yeah <laughs> And the long-term health effects might have something to do with it. Yeah. Too, so, yeah, yeah. And just to there, clarify, there's no author of this article, guys. Oh, so we don't know anonymous. if it's a guy or <laughs> <laughs> It was AI. An AI wrote it. <laughs> so with all that, and again, the reason I shared it, it's in the economist. Like what? What? Now, now the economist, are they going to start giving us recipes on how to uh, make uh, edible micronutrient. Yeah. <laughs> trash yeah. recycled trash burgers for dinner for your friends. It reminds me of that slop that they were eating rag. in the matrix. <laughs> yeah. The essential nutrients. So how can matrix. one avoid having to eat slop or at least for the near future? <laughs> well, uh, Go ahead, Erica. Uh, oh, I was going to say, yeah, so um, can some food, people. You like some food? Uh, start <laughs> canning. Um, so I we have a farm, so we can all the time. I got a few of my things here, right? Peppers. Because uh, when you can food, especially meat, right, sometimes it's not, you know, super flavorful. So if you can some food. Uh, some vegetables you can add them to your meat that you've canned right uh mm -hmm. just having um a supply of something if it becomes unavailable you know what i mean uh canning meat is not hard to do at all you do need a pressure cooker a canner to do meat but if you wanted to do vegetables um you don't need that high-tech equipment. You can just do what's called a water bath where you get a mason jar, you put the food in there, you boil the top and it sticks. And, you know, you always date and kind of label what it is. And um, you have a little preparation. I mean, families have been doing this for generations to make it through the winter and in uh, more rural areas to just have something even starting with two weeks of food is more realistic than, yeah, not having anything. I mean, you can also buy canned food. You can buy beans in bulk. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do to just kind of be prepared if for some reason, or I should say when, yeah. <laughs> availability is limited Yeah, because um, it's coming. I mean, that's what these reports are basically telling you for those that can read between the lines. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but I'd have to be pretty desperate to start eating the insects yeah. out of my yard. You know? Yeah. I really. <clears throat> That's another yeah, thing. I mean, sorry, go ahead. Elliot. No, I was just going to say like, we've historically, you know, we've spoken about different diets and stuff, probably, not for at least two years now since it's been like the COVID show. But before that, we used to do a lot of shows on diets, on, you know, nutritional supplements, on different types of foods, what's the most healthy kinds of foods, ketogenic diets, paleo, ancestral, this kind of thing. Uh, and also we've spoken about some of the damaging effects of some types of foods, you know, gluten and lectins and grains. 
but ultimately uh, when it comes to like survival and it comes to storage you know meat is excellent as a as a nutrient source but storing it can be difficult so someone does need to can it does take a lot of time to do that as well you know someone has to source the meat um they have to prepare it they have to can it and they need to store it now um again this isn't optimal but something that i think probably is justified in this kind of time is to uh not be as concerned about um some of the things in the diet which might be problematic long term you know things like beans and legumes and lectins and things i think that um for the fact that they are so easy to store and you can get them quite cheap still uh, i'm thinking things like chickpeas uh, lentils beans different types of you know legumes they they store in bags as long as they're contained in like an air, airtight container you can get several kilograms of these you can store them relatively easily and whilst you know and this is to someone who might not have done any food storage yet is whilst they are looking to source meat and canned meat and and and, and that kind of stuff i'd say that getting some legumes on hand would probably come in handy and if someone was concerned about kind of eating eating the lectins one thing to have on hand i think is a pressure cooker that's very useful if you can get yourself a pressure cooker fortunately if you get yourself a pressure canner which is what you use to to pressure can meat then that also serves as a pressure cooker as well so you can cook things in that as well is what there's uh, all american pressure cooker canner sponsoring i know it's backwards show. excellent <laughs> yeah we make a lot of a lot of money from the sponsorship so make sure you go out and you use objective nutrients promo code promo code yes 60 off on all products so, oh, that was a joke yeah. by the way yeah. totally a joke but then, this is my personal home manual because yeah. it tells you how to do everything which is very <clears throat> helpful and even if you don't feel skilled enough to actually go out and start canning food i mean you can still buy canned goods from yeah. the grocery store it's right. still better than nothing and they also right. have like all kinds of canned meats tunas fish uh, sardines chicken they have mm-hmm. canned roast beef and canned pork and corn beef hash and all this kind of stuff that you can get at any walmart or wherever you go shopping so if you don't have the supplies to actually you know start canning things yourself just buy canned goods canned meats canned vegetables all kinds of things that you can eat, even if you personally don't think that you are going to want to uh, make bread at home and buy flour for that. You never know who else might need it. You might just buy a bunch of things and be able to use them for barter. Right. It's true. Sardines are excellent. Yeah. Um, Again, even some of the things that people might, you know, look down on like spam and other kinds of processed meats, that stuff is is high in animal fat. Oftentimes it's it's you know it's got the organs and things in as well. So I would say, you know, don't be fussy about what you get at the moment. Really, what's what I think is most important is having just having enough to to get by and you want at least a couple of months worth of food. Like at least. Ordinarily, you know, if you could have two you know six months worth of food which i might be stretching it that's going to be at least enough to tide you over you know 
Yeah, that'll put you like head and shoulders above the average person. You don't have to go running out scrambling when the grocery stores uh, get run over or when the cyber attack comes and you can't access your money in the bank (laughs) or whatever they plan to throw at you. Uh, Yeah, it can be done. It's still not too late, but it's getting to the point where you need, if you haven't been prepping now's the time yeah Yeah. i think like you can even just you know you think about you know as was mentioned like bartering and stuff like that if you can find stuff that you might not be super keen on um you never know what you might be able to trade for um Mm -hmm. so that's that's always a possibility as well but another thing that i think people should actually seriously consider is uh growing their own food um like in terms of you if you have any land like even if you're in the middle Mm -hmm. of the suburbs and you got like this little plot in a in your backyard that can be used to grow stuff Uh, people who have a little bit more land could probably even get chickens chickens are great Mm -hmm. because then you got a like a a constant supply of eggs coming in um yeah i mean and fertilizer and fertilizer yeah i mean there's uh there, there's lots of different options, but making yourself as self-sufficient as you possibly can is is also a very good idea. And the thing about having growing your own plants is even if you live in an apartment and you have like a window box, you can just grow things that you eat consistently, like maybe you like parsley or cilantro or basil. Those things literally will grow right in your window box. So you don't have to have a huge yard or anything and then you can convince your neighbor like maybe each neighbor on your street has like a their favorite little window box plant and then you can exchange things you know so you don't have to be the supplier of everything you just start networking with people around you and um the same goes like Doug was saying if you got a little bit of space you can make they have a great it's called square foot gardening and it's basically how to you know based on your space make the most of your space that you have and um and then you can see the great thing about growing plants is you get to see how much time it takes and things like water and sunlight and what does well and what doesn't and it actually makes you responsible a responsible adult <laughs> yeah. like your uh, your food's not going to grow if you don't water it you know what i mean so it's it's kind of like a, a good learning tool as well and um and then get to know yeah your local farmers too or your local farmers market or um you know just what people are doing in the community even in an urban environment there's a lot of push for you know at-risk youth to work on farms uh inmates you know there's a lot of programs and they seem to be getting tamped down forever and a day because people in control do not want decentralized food supply. Like this whole thing that we're seeing is about control. And if you have, if you're a decentralized and you have friends and neighbors and your local farm people, you will have a lot more freedom and won't be beholden to just what's available in your grocery store. So. Um, oh, I'm just looking at some of the pictures. 
Mm, that looks good. Yeah. But I'm with Elliot. Like, you know, we have a farm, we grow vegetables. I, I you know, a lot of them are nightshades, but um, you can make them into things and exchange them with other people. So you have the local, you know, cow or chicken farmers, and you can exchange things that you've grown for their meat or eggs. Um, so, you know, just widening your perspective about what's possible. And the interesting thing is, you know, everyone did this up until, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. It was pretty common knowledge. I know it is still in Europe, right? You see everybody has their own little plot of what they like to grow and what's enjoyable to them. And then you reap the benefits of your labor, truly. It's also a good idea to uh, stock up on some seeds. Like if you are a gardener, if you're thinking about getting into garden, just buy extra packets of seeds of all the things that you think you might want to grow. You never know. Again, you could use those for trade or barter with somebody else in the future. And maybe if you don't have the space now to actually plant your own garden, if you have a bunch of seeds, I mean, those can be saved and maybe your circumstance might change and you might acquire some land someday and you have these seeds, they'll be ready to go. Yeah. And um, one other thing about food preparation and preserving, if you like to cook and you're making things like chili or whatever you cook, what I've been doing recently is cooking twice as much as I normally would, and then putting it in a free freezer or food saver bag, seal a mealing it and putting it in the freezer again, like having a date on it and just have, you know, again, as Elliot was saying, like couple months of pre-prepared meals. I mean, this works really well for parents that don't have time to cook. You have pre-prepared meals. You spend one afternoon a week, you make a week's worth of food, you put it in a freezer bag, you freeze it, and then you just defrost it and you have availability that way. So it's about expanding your consciousness about, you know, I love chicken curry and maybe chicken curry won't be available in a couple of months. So I'll make my own chicken curry to have or, or, or anything really for that matter. Um, here on the farm, if we have too much food, if we don't can it, we will freeze it, you know, parboil and cook it. So, and then freeze it and then it's ready to go. So there's lots of options and you can do all this on a budget for sure. All right. Anything else, folks? Any other? Uh, another good thing um, I have, you can dehydrate your food too, like in a dehydrator. And I just got, actually, this is not a promo for the air fryer, <laughs> but I just got an air fryer. Oh, and I you was did. Really, I was really kind of like, mm, I don't know if I'm not interested in it, but now that I have it, um, I learned how to dehydrate. So I grew so many peppers last year and I just had so much peppers. I just started dehydrating them in the air fryer. It literally is like, you just turn it on and, and, you know, depending on the size um, you pull it out and then I just keep them in uh, Mason jars. They're not sealed or anything, but they're completely dry. So then when I want to make seasoning for my canned meat, <laughs> 
I've got, I just put it in my little Vitamix and I've got salt and pepper and habanero pepper flakes. So, you know what I mean? You can do a uh, little cottage industry preparation. And the same goes, I've done basil, I've done uh, lemongrass. So you can do um, those kinds of things as well. I mean, you can dehydrate in an oven too, but it's so much easier when you just have a little machine and you push, put dehydrate and then it dings and it's done. <laughs> so, all right. So anything else folks, if you want to go into what they're talking about as far as uh, Schmeet now, what's new on the market? What's new on the meat market? <laughs> <laughs> well, it might get to the point where things are so bad uh, and the food supply becomes so tight that people are going to be starving. And I think one of the reasons why they keep going on and on with these lab-grown meats and fake meats and because they know nobody wants to eat that crap. Like when you went to the store and all the other regular meat was gone, there was all these beyond burgers and all that stuff that was still left on the shelf. So they know nobody wants to eat that stuff, but they still are continuing on with their investments. So I think that they know that there's gonna be some kind of drastic reduction in the food supply. And I think that many people are though they wouldn't voluntarily eat that crap, they might not have a choice. Yeah. And if that's all there is to eat, I think that's what the people in charge are counting on. I agree wholeheartedly. And we know just from what we've covered over the years that organizations like DARPA are working on these types of technologies. You know, I mean, that's pretty revealing when you think about the military is working on how they can make like i was saying earlier edible macronutrients which basically is just trash yeah <laughs> trash into food how can they upcycle it or recycle it and and the the it's always under this guise right now at least what i see when i look into this of like climate change it's like what i mean yeah. yeah. So it's and then there's a lot of virtue signaling, you know, the cow farts and this, that and the other thing. So we're being assaulted on many levels uh, with our food system, not just, you know, one way or another, but a lot of shaming going on. And all the while, there is a very vibrant of like agro um, alternative movement happening that just keeps getting kind of stamped down and hammered down and you know, they don't want people to know that they can have food sovereignty, that you could, you know, work with your neighbors and your friends and be as more sustainable than you are now. I mean, Ice Age Farmer, he does some good kind of videos, a little scary <laughs> sometimes, mm. but he mentioned in one I watched that if one in three households in a neighborhood grew chickens, it would completely decimate the uh, factory farm chicken industry in the United States. And I thought that was pretty <laughs> shocking, you know, um, that if one in three people had raised chickens, you could really do away with a lot of those uh, large feed farm 
chicken situations and mm. now i don't know if they'll have wings to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how they get them so small but you know i mean those are just things to think about and uh you know and like i was saying to doug like they also have fertilizer chickens make fertilizer they eat yeah. bugs the eggs are really good for you you know what i mean so so there's that so there's a lot out there um yeah, don't eat the bugs you yourself. Think? Feed the bugs to the chickens <laughs> and then yeah. eat the chickens and eat the eggs. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so that's where we're at. So stay away from fake food. Do your part. We're in spring now. Spring is coming. You know, perfect time to just start getting uh, experimental and a little responsible and uh, save your seeds and share with your friends and support your local farmer's market. Even if, you know, a lot of times I hear, well, your produce is twice as much. Well, you know, at least you're supporting somebody that is doing something to try and better people's health and not um, impinge on it and make it worse. So that's why. With the food prices going the way they're going, it probably won't be twice as much for long. Right. No. All right. So thank you all for listening. Get out there, get your farm on, start putting up some food, as they say in the South, put it up there on your shelf, get it going. And uh, we um, will be back again next time. So thanks to all my co-hosts for joining. And thank you, Damien, for doing all the special stuff in the background. Like and share with your friends and we'll see you guys again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.